do you view your own success? Are you leading with compassion or are you considered ruthless? There is plenty of room for both types of leaders, but the best way to lead successfully is to balance boldness and integrity, using kindness and compassion to earn respect. Combine this with a go-getter, visionary, and aggressive drive to stay competitive. Welcome to the Compassionate Samurai Business Hour with Kathy Fairbanks. We'll use the ideas heard today and in this series to help you use every advantage to achieve the best end result. Now, here's your host, Kathy Fairbanks. Welcome to the Compassionate Samurai Business Hour. I'm your host, Kathy Fairbanks. Very grateful to be here with you today. And today, I will say we are in for a treat. We're going to be joined by one of my favorite guests, and that's Dr. Raymond Hall. And Dr. Hall is a professor of communications, sciences, and disorders, neuroscience of communication at the College of Health Professions in Wichita State University. And he has a long list of accomplishments. And what I'm most excited to have Dr. Hull on this show today is a personal reason. He is an example of overcoming an obstacle. In fact, I'm going to let the cat out of the bag a little bit here in the beginning. And Dr. Hull actually overcame the challenge of being a stutterer as a young boy, as a young man. And he took it upon himself to really get out there and find as many public speaking opportunities as he could in order to overcome his obstacle of stuttering. And I have so much ob- uh, so much inspiration that flows through me from him overcoming this obstacle. Now, some of his academic credits also come from the fact that he is the CEO of the Center for Communication Solutions, and he was also the chair of the Department of Communication Disorders at the University of Northern Colorado for 12 years, and he was the director of budget and planning for the office of the president for seven successful years at the University of Northern Colorado. Now, he's a very sought-after speaker and presenter, and he's authored over 600 presentations and workshops across North America, South America, and Europe. Yes, I said 600, so that's quite, quite a large number of people that have experienced his art of communication in a professional practice. Now, he is also the author and has written 14 books in the field of communication and communication sciences and disorders. And his latest book is one that we're going to be talking about today, which is a co-author with Jim Stovall. Now, Jim is a New York Times bestselling author as well, and this book was published in late 2016 entitled The Art of Presentation. So these are two of my favorite people collaborating to write a book on the art of presentation. Welcome to the show today, Dr. Hall. Well, it's great to be here. Well, thank you. And so let's just dive right in. We have a lot to talk about, and I want the audience to get as much time with you as they possibly can. So one of the things we find often when we're out there at events or conferences or just about anywhere that people have an opportunity to speak publicly, they often shy away from public 
speaking or public presentation before an audience? And what are they really missing out on when they, they shy away from that opportunity? I think they're, they're missing out on an opportunity to be heard. I, I hear so many people tell me, you know, they, they say, oh, I don't have anything to say. People don't want to hear me. And as they, as they uh, shuffle their feet and look down at the ground, um, but I tell them, but they're missing an opportunity to hear you. Everybody has something to say, and if we do not take advantage of an opportunity to be heard, then we're we're missing out on something very special. Well, and finding your voice and having that opportunity to be heard is actually one of the top uh, key components, I think, of what, what allows us to thrive as an individual. So... Taking it from there, I think nerves can also get into play. You overcame this, the challenge of a stutter. Uh, for me, um, I was never challenged in terms of speaking to a group or speaking in front of an audience. I would do it because I would have a message to say. But for one reason or another, my nerves would always get the best of me. And this is up until very recently. And I couldn't control what was going on with my body. And what I mean by that is I was speaking and my nervousness would come out in the form of red blotches on my neck. And I was self-conscious about it. And Uh over time, over time, just putting myself out there, I realized just the other day, kind of as I was digesting your book, oh my goodness, I no longer get red blotches on my neck. And it's been probably two years since that hasn't happened. It just faded away. The more I spoke, the less the red blotches showed up. So one of the things that is very interesting when we think of terms in terms of conquering uh, the fear of public speaking, it can all be said that being nervous right before a presentation can be good for you. So what's the difference between being you know fearful where you stop in your tracks and have stage fright and letting those nerves really you know cheer us on to make a, a good delivery? Yeah, uh, Mark Twain uh, once said, there are two types of speakers, those who are nervous and those who are liars. Uh, they, <laughs> but what he was saying is that, that um, everyone becomes nervous before they get up in front of an audience. Um, and um, there are actors, famous actors, as a matter of fact, who admit that that if they ever find themselves not being nervous before a performance, that it's about time to quit, because being nervous helps us to perform better. Uh, if there's a difference between being nervous and being afraid. Uh, there are many people who are afraid of public speaking, but even those who are, well, as, as you said at the very beginning, I've given over 600 presentations um, around the United States, South America, Europe, Canada. And, um, you know, right before 
I walk out onto the stage, I become nervous. I was um, giving a presentation in Denver, Colorado at their large convention center last year, and when I went to the um, to the room uh, where I was to speak, that turned out to be an amphitheater um, that uh, that that held well over two thousand people. Uh, when I walked into the room about twenty minutes before I was begin to uh, when I was uh, supposed to begin to speak to meet with the sound people and, and the lighting people. Um, I looked out into the audience, and there was one person sitting there. And I thought, "Oh boy, now that's mm-hmm. going to be that's going to be a real challenge. Do I go ahead and speak, or do I not?" Um, mm-hmm. And after we found that the microphone was working well, lighting was perfect, I left the room and went out into the hallway, and and uh, went out down around the corner and sat for a little while. And when it became time for me to walk into the room and begin my presentation. Um, I always uh, walk into the room. I bound up onto the stage and uh, pick up the FM handheld microphone, which I always demand because I love those things. Um, and I turned around, and the, uh, the amphitheater was full. Where all those people came from, I have absolutely no idea. I thought everybody would be out having breakfast because it was 7.30 in the morning. Um, but uh, I, was, I was nervous when I bounded up on the stage and I, and I pick up, picked up the microphone and started to turn it around. The nervousness hit me. But yet, when you are nervous, you're going to do your best because you are, you are um, challenged at that point to do your best. And so it's best to be nervous. It's best to be a little nervous. And I always tell my audience, um, give me a microphone, a spotlight, and a stage, and I'm a happy boy. And I love that. That helps, me, that helps me relieve the nervousness a little bit. I love that. Well, and I think it's also with that story, it's a mark of a true leader. In other words, you were willing to jump on that stage and deliver, uh, although it would be much more intimate with just one person in the audience, but you were able to leave and go ground and kind of center yourself and walk into whatever room you were going to walk into 20 minutes later. So I think that's a mark of a true leader. You don't go victim to the circumstances or the cards that were dealt to you. You actually are going to be playing those cards, and you're going to give it your very best. One way or the other, you give it your very best. Right, exactly. Now, you mentioned something about doing a sound check, and I know that comes near the end of the book, but let's go ahead and talk about it now. Kind of what is a checklist um, in terms of you as a speaker? What are the things that you want to put on your checklist, a few things, that would set you up in terms of before your feet ever hit the stage what do you want to make sure that you've covered off on to uh, create the least amount of problems that could go awry? Well, um, that's kind of a tough question because there are so you're, you're you're speaking regarding the use of the microphone, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, there are so many different microphones, and you know. 
you you have to i i make it um, i make it mandatory uh that i am given a handheld frequency modulation microphone and a handheld fm microphone because i like to be in charge of that microphone and use it the way that i want to if uh, they if the if those who are in charge of the presentation require that i use a lapel microphone uh and they they uh bring that little microphone and and start uh, to pin it to the bottom of my of my shirt or my sport jacket uh i say no 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 because it needs to be up near my mouth uh because those are all what are called high impedance microphones they they resist speech and you would think well why would you want to use a microphone that actually resists speech well those are those are all designed for use in nightclubs and other environments where there might be um a singer and a band that's on the stage with their amplifiers that are turned on and so on and it, otherwise if it was a low impedance microphone then that's when you start getting having trouble with squeals and and squawks and you know the irritating sounds that come from a PA system but um i just make sure that that microphone is working well and i would say that in about half of the institute half of the instances when i am speaking on stage uh the microphone battery is dead and so there had better be a a um uh a sound engineer or at least a maintenance person nearby who can reach into their pocket and bring out another 9 volt battery and put it in that microphone so that uh so that it's going to work i want to make sure that it's working before i begin to speak and i always take the microphone even if there's one person in the audience because i'm there so early even if there's only one person sitting out there i take that microphone and i talk to that person i want to make sure that i'm here that i'm heard that the microphone is not distorting the microphone is giving a clear signal of my voice and uh if i get a uh, high sign from that listener or those listeners out there then um uh, i know i'm in good shape Well, and I love that. So we've already heard three great tips to really convert your presentation into an over-the-top presentation, and it has nothing to do really with content. It's use your nerves to bolster your speech, know and accept them, uh, kind of like a, a warm friend, and then also let that microphone be your best friend, utilizing a handheld mic that is an FM mic, and then the value of a sound check. So we're going to dive into a little bit around whether or not there's such a thing as a natural born presenter or natural born speaker in our second segment. You have been listening to the Compassionate Samurai Business Hour with your host Kathy Fairbanks. Stay tuned for more.
when it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Kathy Fairbanks is available to speak for your event or organization. Kathy is the Director of Client Solutions for Clemmer & Associates Leadership Seminars. Kathy and her corporate team provides experiential training introductions to clients worldwide in order to support them in achieving their desired goals. Put Kathy Fairbanks to work for you. Call 800-577-5447 or send an email to Kathy at clemmer.com. The next step for growth is yours. Call 800-577-5447 or email Kathy at klemmer.com. Leadership development isn't limited to people in the executive suites or corporate boardrooms. Employees throughout a company recognize their role in fulfilling the company's mission. Effective leadership is a quality that must be shared by employees from the top down. Clemmer & Associates Corporate Mastery Workshop focuses on key topics to equip each student's development into a highly productive and ethical leader. For more information, visit Clemmer.com. That's K-L-E-M-M-E-R.com. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll-free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. listening to the Compassionate Samurai Business Hour. To reach Kathy Fairbanks or her guest today, please call into our program at 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, the email address is kathy at com. Now, back to the Compassionate Samurai Business Hour. Welcome back to the Compassionate Samurai Business Hour. This is your host, Kathy Fairbanks, and I'm joined today by expert communication uh, professor, Dr. Raymond Hall, and he's out of Wichita State University. And if you have an opportunity to go out and purchase his most recent book entitled The Art of Presentation, he has collaborated with author and movie producer Jim Stovall with that book. And again, hearing these insights and tips from two world-renowned communicators is just a real gift to yourself. So we're going to dive back in. And Dr. Hall, one of the things that we wanted to cover off on today um, I've been the recipient of uh, setting and listening to some incredibly charismatic speakers. And then on the downside of it, I've been the recipient of, um, boy, I could rather hear fingernails on a chalkboard if they would just <laughs> get off the stage and, and let me go about my business and my day. Um oh. And so um, I want to make sure that our audience, anytime they're going to be out there making a speech, whether it's to their board of directors or whether it's a keynote speech with their association or whether or not it's a call to action with their church community or their school community, it doesn't matter what, we can always show up being the best speaker we can be, which brings us to the point, um, I get the impression from, from reading the book that there's really no such thing as a natural born speaker. Um, You're right. Some people, okay. So when people fall into that trap of thinking, oh, they're a natural speaker, they just get up there and grab the mic and do their thing, I could never 
be a good speaker. Let's dispel that myth. Would you would you take that on and, and share with us whether or not it's true or not? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I sure will. Um, well, first of all, there's no such thing as a as a um, as a natural born public speaker. Uh, some people are, you know, are so good and 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 as you said, so charismatic that uh, it appears that it's just come so natural to them. I would never be able to do that. But that's that's um, that's not a good way to to think because again, there are no natural born great speakers. It comes from a good speaker is there and sounds good and presents well because they have rehearsed. They have practiced. They have practiced, 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 practiced. But it has to be practiced with someone to critique you. There has to be someone there who is going to evaluate your ability to present, the, the way you stand, the gestures that you use, uh, the, the speed at which you are speaking, or the rate at which you are speaking, your articulatory um, skills, your, your skills in enunciation, all have to be evaluated along with the content of what you are of what you are saying whenever i whenever i give a presentation i don't care if it's the first time or the 26th time that i've given that i've been asked to give that same presentation i watch the audience i watch the expressions on their face and if i get to a place in the in the presentation that I am that I particularly want the audience to hear, and I begin to notice that their eyes are wandering or looking down or looking to the side, or you know they just don't appear to be uh, very attentive, even though I felt what I was saying was very important. Um, I make note of that in my mind. And then after I have concluded the presentation, and it could be that evening or the next day, I think back at how I was presenting that information and um, uh, if there are things that I can, that I can modify so that it's going, to be, it's going to have the impact that I wanted it to have. It just takes practice. It takes concentration, and it takes placing yourself in as many situations as you possibly can where you have to present. And as you said so nicely, it could be, it, it, it could simply be uh, um, presenting the minutes from the previous meeting at, at your local organization, or it could be, you know, reading scripture at church, or it could be, um, it, it could be when you're asked to stand up and, and speak for just a few minutes on a certain topic at a civic organization, um, and you're wanting to say, no, I'd rather not because I don't want to stand up before an audience, do it. Stand up before that audience and say what you intended to say, 
and say it in the very best way that you can. Ask people afterward, how did it sound? Hopefully they're not going to just be nice and say, oh, you did just fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, hopefully they're going to be honest and 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 tell you if there are things that, that could have been changed in your manner of presentation. And I think I spoke too long there. No, no, never, never, never. Um, that's one of the things I'm reflecting back to the founder of Clemmer and Associates that, that he taught all of us and all of the students that when you're listening to a speaker, they have some, some good information and hopefully even transformational information uh, to send your way. Brian would always coach us to, as an audience member, now I'm going to go on the other side of the fence real quickly, always have three questions in your pocket that are generic enough where you can rely on those three questions and then tweak them a little bit on the spot to ask your presenter or your speaker a question. So if there is a Q&A at the end of the talk, ensure that you're someone who pops out of the audience and ask a riveting question of the speaker where you want to learn more. And I think there's some dynamics that come into play there. Uh, First of all, the speaker most likely is going to be relieved that someone actually has a question because there's nothing worse than giving your best material and you ask for questions and it's just silence. Crickets, Mm -hmm. crickets, crickets. (laughs) Yes, I agree. And I, I just think that's a wonderful tip to always have three questions in your pocket. I'm kind of getting off on a tangent. Um, let's talk about places where one could go to, let's just brainstorm a little bit about where one could go to start out getting a little practice with speaking and doing, let's say they've not done this before, where are some venues that they could go? Meetups, to me, come to mind, because usually at every meetup, there is a 30-second, you know, you're allowed to give your 30-second elevator speech. So maybe it would just start with a 30-second elevator pitch, and that's enough to kind of get the ball rolling. Do you have any other ideas as as to where people could get some uh, speaking uh, credentials under their belt? Well, I can think of two uh, immediately. Most uh, communities will have a Toastmasters club and a to- Toastmistresses club. Um, that's a wonderful organization to become a member of because you find yourself in situations where people of all skill levels in public speaking uh, participate. Everyone has to give presentations. Um, Everyone has to participate. I was thinking of um, when I was, uh, I I took the uh, Dale Carnegie speech course uh, when I was uh, still a severe stutterer, uh, thinking that perhaps that might that might help me to become more fluent. And um, when I was there, each of us in one one part of the course had to give a had to give a uh, uh, a five minute presentation on any topic of our choice. And I was so. Nervous. I knew that I was going to embarrass myself. I was going to embarrass the teacher. I was going to embarrass uh, the audience because I was going to be so. I was going to be 
so non-fluent. I was going to be stuttering so severely. And uh, before I had to speak, a young woman, uh, it was a young woman's turn, and I had admired her from afar for a long time. She was absolutely gorgeous, and she was so poised and and uh, so popular that I, you know, I thought, oh, if she would even look at me, I, my heart would flutter. But uh, she had to give up, get up and give her presentation before mine, and she got up before the audience, and there were about 30 people um, in that group, and uh, they were very attentive to her, and she walked up to the front of the room and behind the lectern, and she stood there for a moment and stood there and stood there, and I started to become a little nervous for her, and then suddenly she burst into tears and said, I can't do this, and she ran into her seat and sat down. Uh Well, if someone with her beauty and her poise and her level of popularity in the in the community and her social standing um, could not give her presentation. I can. And so it was my turn. I got up. I gave my presentation fluently and sat down, and there was applause, and that was a wonderful round of applause for someone who usually could not speak. But, you know, that those types of venues... Uh, can be can can do wonders for a presenter, and I think probably the best of them is is uh, Toastmasters or Toastmistresses clubs that yeah, are usually I... meet during lunch hours and so on. Mm-hmm. And those are those are good organizations. Yeah, they're and they're international. So the fact that they're all over the world, uh, one can join that. I um, I'm a big fan of Toastmasters myself, and couldn't recommend it any stronger. You have been listening to the Compassionate Samurai Business Hour with your host Kathy Fairbanks. We've been talking about the art of presentation, and when we come back, I want to dive a little bit deeper into. One of the key components to a successful presentation would be being yourself and balancing that with preparation. So stay tuned for more. We'll come back for segment three. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Leadership development isn't limited to people in the executive suites or corporate boardrooms. Employees throughout a company recognize their role in fulfilling the company's mission. Effective leadership is a quality that must be shared by employees from the top down. Clemmer & Associates Corporate Mastery Workshop focuses on key topics to equip each student's development into a highly productive and ethical leader. For more information, visit Clemmer.com. That's K-L-E-M-M-E-R.com. Kathy Fairbanks is available to speak for your event or organization. Kathy is the Director of Client Solutions for Clemmer & Associates Leadership Seminars. Kathy and her corporate team provides experiential training introductions to clients worldwide in order to support them in achieving their desired goals. Put Kathy Fairbanks to work for you. Call 800-577-5447 or send an email to Kathy at clemmer.com. The next step for growth 
is yours. Call 800-577-5447 or email Kathy at K-L-E-M-M-E-R.com. Stocks, bonds, investment opportunities, financial news, and talk. We can help. Call us now toll-free, 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. listening to the Compassionate Samurai Business Hour. To reach Kathy Fairbanks or her guest today, please call into our program at 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, the email address is kathy at com. Now, back to the Compassionate Samurai Business Hour. Welcome back to the Compassionate Samurai Business Hour with your host, Kathy Fairbanks. And today I am joined by Dr. Raymond Hull, who has co-written the book, The Art of Presentation with Jim Stovall. And in this book, one of the things that they really drive home is the importance of being yourself as a presenter. And when I first read that in the book, I kind of chuckled, reflecting back on the quote that Oscar Wilde had to say about being yourself and um, Oscar Wilde said be yourself everyone else is taken and I think (laughs) that really speaks so well to how do you authentically connect to the audience and there are some reasons why that's a important and then some tools and techniques on how you can authentically connect with the audience so could you enlighten us a little bit more Ray around that audience connection and being yourself I sure will Uh, that's such an important thing too many people who have taken courses in public speaking or have read, have read books on the topic of public speaking feel as though they need to become an actor. They need to give dramatic presentations. Um, they need to become someone else as they are presenting. Um, in the last chapter of the book, The Art of Presentation, um, I talk about the art of concluding your presentation, making an impact. But it goes beyond that, but but yet it says the same thing. I said, most of all, when you are speaking and you walk to the front of the stage and talk directly to the members of the audience, it's best to look directly at as many as you can and speak conversationally to them, not dogmatically, not in an overly dramatic manner, but conversationally. And I mean to speak with them as though you are carrying on a conversation, a personal conversation with each of the members of the audience. And they'll remember you as a personable and honest presenter, a personable and honest person whom they look forward to hearing speak again. And to be yourself is one of the most important things that we can do if we want to be uh, an exceptional public speaker. We have to be ourselves. We have to talk to the audience as though we are talking to a friend. 
and um, that's that's critical. Well, and it 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 can be done so easily. I think when you are passionate about your topic and you make sure that your topic is one that the audience is going to have an interest in. So there's obviously a lot of homework that needs to be done in advance. Uh, One of the things that I'm blessed with quite frequently is the president of uh, Clemmer and Associates has a beautiful message and has a way of connecting with each and every audience member as if she is speaking to you one-on-one. And your writing partner, Jim Stovall, does the exact same thing. In fact, um, I think he even takes it a step further. And what I mean by that is his message is also sustainable. So I remember many of the components and the stories that Jim has told Um, I remember them six months, six years from now, um, and I have done that, not six minutes after he gets off the stage. (laughs) And he has really, you know, he captivates an audience. It seems simple, a story that unfolds about his life, but it's riveting, and I'm able to parallel my life, different topic, but parallel my life right along with him. So the relatability is there, but the sustainability, I think, takes him over the top as a speaker as well. Um one of the questions, and, and I've gotten this from time to time, um, is the f- the fluidity of one's speech. And there's an optimal number, and I was shocked when I read this, we can speak so much faster than we can hear or listen or process. Would you yes. provide kind of the background of that for the audience? Because I think it's worth taking note of and adjusting delivery if you need to. <clears throat> I'd be happy to. Um, in the United States, the average rate of speech as people are talking to each other or teachers are teaching in a classroom or a public speaker is speaking from a stage is around 160 to 170 words per minute. If you, if you read a um, textbook on, on uh, public speaking, they'll say 140. And, and 40 or 145, but it's actually um, what I've measured consistently is about 160 to 170 words per minute. Um, I time. I'm asked to. I'm asked to work with news broadcasters, television news broadcasters, and weather people, and and sports announcers, because people call in to complain about the fact that they have a hard time understanding what they're saying because they're talking too fast. And I've timed them up to 190 to 200 words per minute. Our central nervous system, our brain, our our main processing system, uh, is not designed to process speech when it is when it is spoken that rapidly, because speech is a speech. The sounds that make up the words that we have in our vocabulary are so acoustically complex that uh, our central nervous system, our brain, our brain stem that has to do the processing, again, is simply not designed 
to make sense out of what is being said. So what I have found in, in, uh, in, in our research is that if a speaker... Well, I don't know if you remember... Well, I'm, you may, I'm, you probably do, but uh, when I talk to students, they look at me blankly. Uh, remember Walter Cronkite? Um, oh, sure, of course. And uh, Tom Brokaw, who is now retired. Um, they, I don't think that they really practiced doing this, but it became a sort of a natural rate of speech. They spoke at around 124 words per minute, and that's the rate at which I'm speaking right now. When we do that, we have a natural tendency to articulate, to pronounce each of the sounds that are contained within words, our inflectional clues, the melody of our speech becomes more predominant. The pauses that we use become more predominant, and people can actually understand every word that we are saying. Now, there are some people who probably don't want everyone to understand all the words that they're saying, but um, uh, it does allow the listener, no matter what their age, whether they're three years old or 103, to be able to understand every word that is being said. Again, right now, I'm speaking at that rate, and that's the rate that people like Walter Cronkite used to speak at because they, they wanted people to hear and understand what they said, and people loved to listen to them because they could. Well, and when you think about that, it brings to, to, to mind for me studying people who are delivering in the cadence that uh, you just said is so appealing to our ears in, in terms of processing it. And that's where the research comes into play. Um, I want to shift gears a little bit in terms of the audience and how we do our research around the audience? What are the things that we would need to know about our audience in order to best drive home the presentation? And this, this obviously goes to, into the prep and, and research aspect. Do you have some um, ideas or a checklist that we would need to come up with? I know there were several authors in your book that you cited uh, in terms of some ideas around a checklist with the audience. What would some of those be? Well, um, we need to ask some questions ahead of time. That's one, th one thing that, that many people don't do. And I forget to do that uh, on occasion, but I always try to find out what or who the audience is going to be. What do they comprise? Um, we need to think about what those people might like to hear about, what those people need or want to hear, and how we can best deliver the message to them. Um, they, they need, or speakers, need to... Um, 
ask a lot of questions before they before they uh, prepare their speech or before they they actually deliver their speech because they want to know number one um, their um, their their occup you know general occupations um, they want to know what their interests might be they want to know the um, age makeup of the audience. There are so many things that we need to know ahead of time that um, it's going to allow us to address the audience. What is the average age and gender of the audience? What is the average educational level of the audience? Will the audience be hostile, supportive, or neutral uh, in regard to what we're going to be presenting? What is the possible attention span of the audience. We have to be aware that people have, I call it, sitting limitations. Um, and uh, in the past, has the audience responded positively or negatively to presentations in which financial support was requested if you're going to be uh, re- requesting donations for a certain cause? But those are all fair questions uh, that we ask ourselves and we ask those who are who have invited us to present so that we'll have more information regarding the audience. Well, and one of the things and, and I learned a lot from the book in this regard of, of upping my homework and my research in terms of the audience. Um, just recently, um, I had an invitation come to me to speak in front of a group. I'll be speaking with them next week. And I called, I reached out to a business associate of mine, and I asked him, what will what will be my best question? What will be my best uh, information to provide to this group of people if I, you know, really want to grab their attention? And he mm-hmm. said, well, this is what you want to let mm-hmm. them know. If they don't do their homework and they don't get up to speed on this particular topic, they will lose customers. And he mm-hmm. said, that'll get their attention. If they, if if their client is ready to sell their business, they're setting themselves up to lose a customer, and that's really all I needed to hear in order to start. This is where I'm going to start the presentation. Uh, your customer is at risk if you do not get educated in this topic. Yeah, so, that's you know how 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 we begin our presentations is so critically important. If, if you got up and said, "I've come here today to speak to you about um, about the, uh, the the business practices in this community or whatever, um, or in your life," no, you're going to lose the audience. Of course, but if we will. You walk up to them with a challenge, as you as you indicated. Um, if you begin with a uh, story, uh, something like I was. I was uh, uh, walking into uh, this this very building uh, earlier today, and I happened to see a young man sitting on the on the uh, sidewalk in front of the building with a, holding a styrofoam cup. And I asked him, you, you know, he seemed to be a, a, a nice young man who could certainly work. And I took the bull by the horns and and ask him, 
uh, why are you why are you sitting here with a styrofoam cup as opposed to working? And he told me, he said, I just cannot seem to find a job. So it's come down to begging for money to buy food when I have no other means to do it. And and then the speaker says, and that's what I came to talk to you about today, is the infrastructure of the business practices of this community. Some things have to change, you know, or something like that. Well, that certainly would be compelling. And I see that you would take a story in real life and bring it into the audience. And let's talk out, um, we've got a few minutes left. And what I want to make sure of is that we understand the flow. You talked about the importance of having a great start. And I know one of the the hints that Jim uh, mentioned in the book was make sure as a speaker that you have your first two or three minutes of your presentation memorized cold. Not that it's going to come off as scripted, but in case something goes awry, you're able to really um, rely on the fact that that the first two or three minutes has has, uh, become part of your DNA. And I loved (laughs) hearing that. I loved seeing that. Um, And then I also loved his uh, concept of uh, looking at a speech almost like uh, compartments in a train car. If something goes a little long, you, you're going to pull out a, a train car. If you need to add more, you add more. But after that great start, what are some of the other uh, aspects that we really need to keep in mind for our audience? Well, one of the one of the most important, I feel, is as... Um, uh, Tim uh, Cagle, in his book entitled "The Exceptional Presenter," uh, emphasizes what I what I've said in the last chapter of the book that what we say last will re- will be remembered best. Um, we can give a wonderful presentation, but if we don't give the audience something to remember then we will have lost the power of our presentation. Uh, We need to keep in mind that about 90% of what we say in the body of our presentation will be forgotten by the end of the day. Um, But yet the audience will not forget the conclusion. And um, that's when, when, um, as I said earlier, when we are concluding our presentation, we walk to the front of the stage and talk sincerely to the members of the audience. We look directly into the eyes at as, as many as we can, and we speak conversationally to them, not dogmatically, nor in an overly dramatic manner, but conversationally as though we're carrying on a conversation with them. Um, and they'll, they'll remember us, and if we give them something to remember, a story that, will, that emphasizes the, the thrust of our presentation, they'll remember that, and they'll tell others what they heard, and they'll look forward to hearing you come and speak again. 
Well, and I love that aspect. So starting with um, a powerful beginning, and as you mentioned, um, make sure that your close is even more impactful, whether or not you uh, close it out and you circle back to the beginning. Um, I also love the tips, and I want to make sure to get these four tips in uh, regarding your powerful ending, is to make sure as a speaker you don't have an abrupt emergency stop and then (laughs) number two and I kind of chuckled at that where you you're not an endless maze speaker where you think it's coming to a conclusion but all of a sudden uh, you you jump down a different rabbit hole and then also the cliched you know words of in conclusion or as I finalize um, or going off on other tangents. So you have been listening to the Compassionate Samurai Business Hour with your host, Kathy Fairbanks. And our guest expert today is Dr. Raymond Hall. And Dr. Hall, I cannot thank you enough for sharing your insights and your wisdom with us today. I really appreciate your time. Well, it's great being here and it's great talking with you. Well, thank you. And as a call to action, I'm going to put it out there. I have found the book, The Art of Presentation, to be one that you would want to put in your library because it provides a beautiful checklist, some great references, and a way to really up your game as a speaker, whether you do this professionally on a platform or whether you're speaking in your local community. Your voice deserves to be heard and heard in the best possible way. Until next week, at Clemmer and Associates, we always say, knock them alive. Thank you for tuning into our show. You can hear the Compassionate Samurai Business Hour live every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Until next week's show, be sure to take action and create your own success.